Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to jump on air. And guess who has just walked into the studio? None other than James Pondle from Tableland Explorers. Explorers. G'day, g'day. How are you all doing? If um, you're... If you're from Armadale, um, I love you and I miss you dearly so much. Big shout out to all of the uh, big shout out to all the listeners up at Armadale. Uh, James is here, and of course, for those of you who are avid listeners to Faith FM Radio, you'll know that uh, James and the Tablelands Explorers they get together up there once a week and put out the most yep. epic show ever. Current host of Tableland Explorers, previous. Uh, Previous texter in of the breakfast show and contributed yeah, James, to the quiz. James, what's got, what's all that about, huh? So here's how it works. So James used to used to always participate in the quiz until he started his own show, and we and haven't heard just, from him since. He's just too good for us. Yeah, I think like, so. No comment. <laughs> he pleads the fifth. He pleads the fifth. So uh, a massive shout out to Luke Reeves, who has just yes. put so much work into organising that show, and it's been great. And it's mm. all been like mostly, mostly been down to his hard work. And yes. I just couldn't have done it. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's his show, like it's you know both of us. But he's put so much hard work in it, and so appreciative mm. to him. Oh, man, Luke is just oh, epic. Awesome. All right, so text messages. Uh, this one says uh, this one's in relationship to the story you did on cannabis. Oh, uh, my sister died from degenerative disease a couple of years ago. Ooh. Her pain was eleven out of ten. Medical cam- cannabis brought her pain to zero. Yeah, I find it hard to believe how hard the medical. I find it hard to believe how hard the medical professional health department makes it to be able to get it. Mm. There are so many people who have chronic pain that could be helped out, but are not, not able to. I totally agree about exercise, and personally, don't take any medication unless I really have to. Mm. Um, I suffer from hand arthritis and use hand springs to f- and find them very helpful, relieving the pain. And this is the this is the thing from a medical perspective. Um, we diagnose you know much more dangerous drugs than cannabis on a regular basis. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And so if something is being diagnosed, that's not recreational. Mm. The issue is recreational. We should never be taking recreational drugs in mm. any way, shape, or form ever. If the doctor diagnoses you with you know, morphine or something or other like that, then you're probably going to want to take it. Yeah, that's right. And even like, like for any great example of that is like we diagnose people and, and give them like prescribe them opi- opioids. Yes. Which are like literally life destroying, even from the prescription perspective. That's right. We know it's going to shorten their life. Yeah. But also if they but get... But it's ad- what's called palliative care. If they get addicted... Then, like, there is- we put them on a whole process to get them off that addiction, yeah, it's- because it can be a really nasty addiction. Yeah, hundred percent. So, definitely, yeah, there is there is a balance to the to the conversation. But yeah, when it comes to recreation, um, yeah, go for a run. <laughs> okay, when it comes to uh, we talked about um, a wicker earlier, and um, the uh, the school district in California that was um, encouraging students to uh, place a <laughs> curse on the police. Um, just like many t- like many of the TV programs, people actually believe this stuff. Unfortunately, it actually works. Satan is full and angels mm. will only be too willing to help. Satan never sleeps and uses people in high places to do it. That is the tragedy of it. And, you know, you've got the flip side of that where the whole thing has become a meme. Mm. And that's once again, um, mm. Satan is just hiding behind Humor in this case. Mm. Uh, totally connected to the state of the dead, which is the link to... Hexing. Okay, the leopard-like beast in the United Nations. Do you think they know what they are doing? 
They continually use symbols that the Bible uses to point to the Antichrist in a good way, such as unity. The other symbol they use is the Tower of Babel, which God himself destroyed, again uh, used for unity of the nations, but without Christ. Satan uses what God points as evil in its intent and turns it around and makes it good. And this is the interesting thing is you find a lot of these things you know, simply hiding in plain sight. Mm. You know, you, you think about the, um, what's the award that we give to um, actors again? The the, um, the Oscars? The Oscars. Okay. Where you give a golden statue to um, to all of the winners of the oh, people. I've never who thought, have, about I've never yeah, thought about dude, that. I was before. like, how did I miss that? <laughs> hiding in plain sight. Mm. Golden statue, Daniel chapter 3. Mm. You know, bringing the world together um, against God. And not only that, but that... That ceremony um, has often taken place in the Babylon Theatre, mm. which has the Ishtar Gate. Yeah, yes. wow. You know, where you get a golden star. <laughs> yeah, you start to put all that symbolism together. It's not hard to figure out. Mm. Um, I suggest you need to put together advertising, um, doing an advertising campaign for lonely people to be a part of a church. Mm. That's a great suggestion. Blame the Harry Potter influence oh. in relationship to uh, witchcraft. Yeah, I, I would say like it, it went from like niche to trendy because of because of Harry Potter. This is yes. a, this conversation we had last week actually when uh, Rob uh, Panacook was on the show. Okay, because uh, we actually saw that yeah the most the most searched term in the Bible in 2021 the most searched word has been sorcery. Really? Yeah, really. That's now, now wild. That, now, there was a texter who texted in and said, well, the, the root word for sorcery in Greek is the word pharmakia. That's true. Which also has application. In the New Testament. Yeah, in the New Testament, yeah. That also has application in, like, the they made a link to the vaccine. Like, people. But I, I find it difficult. Whoa, that's you know, a long one. I, I think it's a bit of a Drugs, yes. Yeah. You can make that link to drugs. Mm-hmm. You can make a link to medication. You could, you could, you could make a link there, but yeah, it's not the strongest anti-vax argument I've ever heard by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But I think, I think the really interesting thing that that text pointed out is that, like, you have two ways. Like, Satan's strategy is twofold: of like either you get a lot of people sucked into spiritualism mm. and to believe that it's real and to follow it, or the other way is to completely deny its existence. Yeah. Um, by that way, you basically win everyone uh, in in a cause against the existence of God or against His goodness, yes. which is incredibly sad. But yeah, all right, we need to uh, we need to get into our Bible study, mm. which is from the book of Deuteronomy. Um, and James, you got a Bible there anyway? Where's Where's I, the Bible for the other end of the table? I came for a run, and yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, James has got a Bible now. Deuteronomy chapter 10 is where we're going to start. We're going to read verse 17, 18, and 19. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 to 19. James, you got that for us? Yeah. Yep. He's, uh, Give he's, me a he's, he's flipping pages. <laughs> he's got Deuteronomy the, uh, 10, 17 to 19. He's got the studio Bible. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Okay. All right, go for it, James. What do you got for us? All right, it reads, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you, too, must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. 
Mm. Okay, there's a really interesting phrase in this verse that we're going to look at in a bit more detail where it says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God and the mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Mm. So we've got to ask ourselves, what does it mean shows no partiality? Now, the interesting thing is if you look at the Hebrew phrase that that is translated from, it's translated from a phrase that says, He does not lift up faces. Mm-hmm. Why would you translate he shows no partiality from a phrase that says he does not lift up faces? What is going on here? What is the connection I between think, the two? I think that reminds me of James chapter two, where yeah. it's where it's talking about like, you know, you show you show difference to one person, you show, you know, if you uplift a righteous person. Oh, if you upload Yeah. If you uplift a rich person and then you like, you know, you treat someone who's poor differently. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So, in other words, you're uh, you're not looking at one face differently from another face. Yeah, you treat everyone the same, right? Regardless yes. of their status. Yes. Well, that that is like a very direct application. I was just going to chalk it up to oh, it's probably a figure of speech. <laughs> like, <laughs> do I lift up certain faces. I can see the connection between that and partiality. Like, but yeah, there's there's a biblical connection there too to the old to the New Testament. So that's cool. There is, and, and, you know, as a figure of speech, it is actually a figure of speech. It is a Hebrew figure of speech that mm. was well known in those days, and Bible translators actually see this as a figure of speech, and rather than translating the words, they've translated the figure of speech mm. into a, you know, modern language that we can actually understand. Um, it's believed to have come from a legal setting, okay, in which the judge or the king sees the face of the person on trial and based on that person's status, an important person or an insignificant person, the judge or the king renders a verdict. And when the Bible says that God does not lift up faces, it means that he is not giving a verdict or a judgment based on a person's status or significance. Mm. Which was would have been incredibly common at this time, being that like many of the nations that existed at, at this time didn't have codified systems of law. They just de- things were just de- decided by the king That's based right. on who the king liked, and that would then be decided pretty much most of the time based on who got to talk to the king first. Yeah. Mm. Because this is something about human nature that is interesting, and and you can observe this in yourself. You will always take the side of the person who tells you their story first. Well, 90% of the time you will. Yeah. So if you hear this, if, you know, if you've got two people that have a conflict with each other and they both tell you their story, you will take the side. This is the way human nature works. You will take the side of the story you hear first so that when the second person comes along and tells their story, even though it might be just as valid or more valid, you still take the side of the original person who came and spoke to you first. I don't know. What about recency bias? Well, recency bias. Yeah. Recency bias. Recency bias is a cognitive bias that favors recent events over historic ones. So, you know, someone comes and tells a story later and I I get what you're saying. I think it can go both ways. Recency. I've not heard of recency bias. Is this a thing? This is definitely a thing. Okay. Yeah. For example, like when they, when they like, um, they, they have measures to counteract this in the Olympics when they judge like specifically like the ice skating, like figure skating or whatever it may be, right. um, the, the ones that come later 
you know, if you're subjectively judging it, you have the ability, you tend to give them more favorable reviews. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Recency bias. I do do see what you're saying because it's like if someone comes to you, particularly in a legal setting and establishes a narrative and then someone comes to overwrite that narrative, maybe without the evidence to justify it, well, then you'd be more inclined to believe the first person than the second person. I look at it from a uh, from a ministry perspective mm. where you might have a conflict in a church, and I'm just working from my own personal experience here, you might have a conflict in a church between two members in a church. Mm. Or you might have a marriage that is starting to fall apart or has fallen apart. Mm. And I know that from myself is, you know, with all of these things, it is really, really important to constantly remind yourself, don't take sides. Don't take sides. Yes. Because you will generally always take the side that you hear first. Yeah. Mm. And that's a major, major danger right there because it's just it's just a bias. It's very similar to uh, recency mm. bias, but it's a bias that's built into us as human beings. Mm. And it's like, well, whether it's don't take sides because of um, because of time or what we've seen here in this chapter because of status, there is, you know, bias that takes place amongst kings in deciding things, but God is saying here that he shows no partiality between faces. He looks at everybody exactly the same. He's mm. 100% just. Mm. All right, let's look at some Bible verses on this. Uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Acts 10 and verse 34. Lawson, you got this one for us? Uh, yeah, sure. Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. The Bible says, And then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Okay, can can you guys remember what Acts 10 is all about? About uh, a certain um, dream that Peter had. Yeah, he sees a sheet coming yes. down from heaven. Mm. And then within the sheet, there's a bunch of, like, animals. Like Disgusting the, animals. Like yeah. hyenas and, and giraffes and pigs and, you know, the other things like that. Yeah. And, and the like. And, and the like. Yeah, that's right. So just, yes. there's a bunch of random animals. And then God says to him... Arise, kill, and eat. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, if you're a Jew in that time, you're just like, uh, no. That'll be that'll be a big no. And that's that's how Peter responds. He says, "Not so, Lord." Like, imagine standing there and just saying, "Like God tells you to do something in His Majesty in a vision from heaven," and you're like, "Um, actually, not so, uh, <laughs> not so, Lord." For I've never eaten anything uh, unclean or common. That's right. And then So so this is this is Peter actually speaking up. Yeah. And telling God no. Yep. Because of his understanding of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. You know, this would be a very challenging dream for Peter to have because you've got the Bible on one saying do one thing, you've got God saying do the other, which is the opposite from the Bible. And, you know, when it's in a dream, you feel that it's real. You feel like it's real. Man, maybe he's doing a whole, like, man shall live by bread alone. You know, like, it's the same way Jesus was tempted. Maybe he was just clarifying and making absolute sure that, oh, man, like. Well, he does make absolute sure because this dream happens three times. Yeah. You know, God comes back three times, says, do this. And Peter's like, no. And God's like, do this. And Peter says, no. And maybe Peter's thinking, this is a bit of a test for me or something or other. This you know, is Satan, what's, you know. What's going on here? Um, and, and God is saying, do this, and he's consistently saying no. And then God explains what it's all about, mm. and God says, you know, don't call things common or unclean. And then Peter gets a knock at the door, and there are Gentiles at the door, and the Gentiles invite him to come and share the gospel with them and to mm. come into their home and to eat food with 
with them. Who are like unclean people, right? That's like, right. Let's not associate with them. Mm. And Peter then explains what the dream is because he says, God has showed me not to call any people common mm. or unclean. So Peter mm. recognises and interprets the dream to be about people, not about things that you actually eat. Yeah. Mm. Which is a really important distinction to make because... Some people get the complete wrong view about what this is all about. It's like, oh, it's all about food. No, it's not all about food. It's about people. Well, even like in the passage, it God specifically says, he doesn't say common and unclean. He says, don't call what God has uh, cleansed common. Yes. Which yeah. there's a difference between common and unclean. Like unclean was... It's a really good point. The, unclean was like an inherent... Um, physiological problem of yes. like being like dead a dead body or like being an unclean animal whereas common was prescribed to things that had fallen out of favor in terms of whether it was holy or not so and so yeah, they, it was like it was like unclean by association right like you've right. got animals that are just basically like they'll carry diseases and all that stuff yeah. it's like well those are unclean but then you've got these ones it's like oh they just went near an unclean yeah. animal right so the sheep in the pig pen is common and the Gentile, this was the big point, the Gentile was common because the Gentile, well, whilst they didn't believe necessarily that people in and of themselves were unclean because Gentiles associated with unclean things, they were seen as common, which by this point in human history, in Jewish history, when the Jews had become so insular, insular and shut themselves out from the world because they were trying to kind of uphold culture mm. and whatnot, they were like, oh, no, these people aren't unclean, but they're common. These people are common, so we don't associate with them. But then that's where God specifically says, "Don't call, uh, don't call what is common uh, what God has cleansed." And then, so then they go to the Gentiles and they share the gospel with them. And Which that's where epic. that's where they say that's where Peter says here, God shows no partiality. All right, James, I've got a really, really long verse for you to read here: uh, Romans chapter two and verse eleven. Mm. Romans two, verse eleven. Yeah, Romans two, forward verse in the Bible. <laughs> if you're following along with us, we're going to go forward, 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 forward. Don't read your Bible in the car, and then we're going to go backwards. <laughs> Romans two, verse eleven. What do you got for us? For God does not show favoritism. That's a pretty simple verse, right there. Mm. I may have exaggerated when I said it was a long verse. Uh, <laughs> let's go to. Let's see if this is a continuing theme. Uh, Lawson, why don't you go to Galatians 2 and verse 6? Yeah, sure. Galatians 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, But from those who seem to be something, whatever they are, it makes no difference to me. God shows no personal favoritism to, to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. Mm. There you go. Are there people in our world today who seem to be something? Yeah. Yeah. Lyle Southwell. Radio celebrity, <laughs> dude. I think I think that's such a humbling point in itself, right? Like yes. God doesn't care who we are. Like He treats everyone the same. Like, mate, you could be the biggest super. Like this is just a general comparison, but you could be the biggest superstar in the world, Elon Musk. But compared to a poor person, God treats you the same. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And, and, and you know, Elon Musk, who is wealthy, but you've also got other people who are famous, mm. you know, celebrities that we look up to, sports people and so forth. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Now, we were in the book of Galatians, chapter 2 and verse 6. Do you want to give that one a, a read for us? Yeah, I will. If you're in your Bible at home, Galatians is just after, it's in the New Testament. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, mm. uh, 2 verse 6. It reads, wait, Galatians 2 verse 6? Yeah, that's where we were. Yeah, Galatians 2 6. Yep. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, 
their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for mm. God has no favorites. Yes, mm. the leaders in the church. So he's talking about here people of status amongst the church. Yeah. They made no difference to him, nor did they make difference to the work of God because of their status as leaders. Mm. I think that's really interesting. I think, you know, we were talking about before, it's like, oh, celebrities, Elon Musk or whatever. But even, you know, within the Christian context, we think, oh, people with power and influence, they have the ability to do God's work. They're favored by God. Um, whereas in reality, and I want to pick up a story. Oh, here we go. Lyle's walking back into the studio. Nice of you to, to join us. Um, as I was going to, we're going to lead into a story that kind of shows what we've been looking at uh, in terms of partiality and favor. But specifically, um, yeah, within the Christian context, what does Jesus actually require of you? Is he looking for you to be a person of power and status to be able to, will, will that gain will that help you better serve him and i think the best story to find that uh, the best chapter to find that in let's go to matthew chapter 10 so matthew chapter 10 um this has a story in it um about a guy whose name is i but well, i believe it's matthew chapter 10 or maybe it's luke chapter 10 where's the rich young ruler is that luke chapter 10 or matthew chapter 10 it's- I think it's like Luke 16, right? Luke 16? Man, am I am I, <laughs> am I all over the place right now? That's all right. I need to get oh, microphone. Your microphone's not on. Sorry, Lyle. <laughs> but Luke chapter 16, was it? Yeah. The, oh, no, that's a rich man in Lazarus. That's the rich man in Lazarus. <laughs> oh, what a classic, what a classic show. We've had James come in and, um, oh, oh, okay, Mark chapter 10. There we go. Uh, Let's go. Mark chapter 10. We see, are... This is what happens. This is what happens when I step out of the studio. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, I've got, I've got Lawson and, and James here. They don't need me for a second. I can go and take care of a few things. Mm. And the whole show just falls apart. What do you do? Well, let's start reading it. Let's start re- I'm just like glossing over what you say. I'm like, oh, okay, well, cool. Uh, let's start reading in verse 17. So do you want to pick it up for us there? Yeah, um, yeah where to? Uh, so let's read 17 to maybe 19. Okay, cool. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asks, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Mm. So, Jesus, in response to the question from this rich, young, influential, religious ruler amongst the Jews, um, he responds to this question of, oh, what do I need to inherit eternal life? Like, yeah, because yeah. I'm super blessed. Like, this guy's really blessed he in is. life. He's, he's living the best life, and he's like, okay, yeah, but the life ahead. you know, the- According to the prosperity gospel... He's super righteous. He's incredibly righteous. If you believe the prosperity gospel, this guy's like the most holy, righteous person there is. But, you know, within him we see that, oh, you know, there's some thought of heavenly things of, okay, well, but what about the life to come? You know, what about the the ultimate life? And he's like, okay, Jesus, what do I need to do? And what does Jesus appeal to? How does he respond? The, The same law that everyone will be judged by. Exactly. This, the exact, the exact same, same standards for everyone. It's, like, like no one's going to be treated differently in the end. It's the exact same standards, and so and so God shows no favoritism, no partiality in that because He says, "I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done." Oh, it, yeah. But he, He's basically mm-hmm. like, "I don't care who you are or your power or your position, but it, everyone's going to be judged by this." 
and he what did, they know. He basically tells this guy the exact opposite of the prosperity gospel. <laughs> prosperity gospel says, you know, get as much stuff as you can and the more stuff you have, the more blessed you are of God. Mm which was exactly the same mm. as what the Pharisees believed back in the day. Mm. And he was a great evidence of the prosperity gospel. He was under the, he was supposedly under the blessing of God. And Jesus is like, well, actually, if you want to really be blessed, you're going to need to get, everything, get rid of everything you have. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But Make that, a full surrender. Dude, this goes even further. Let's read, do you want to read 20 and verse 21? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This, this goes, I, Jesus really makes this point. Yeah. Teacher, the man replied, I've, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And then how does oh, Jesus respond to that? Yeah, oh, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Mm. Think about this point, right? So this is a rich, young, influential religious leader Yes. in Israel. Yes. Who, and I, as we said, as we were kind of talking about law before you uh, <laughs> stepped back into the studio, it's often people's perspective that, oh man, I can be used by God if I'm rich, influential, mm. um, powerful, like, you know, and, and they look at people who are in those positions, maybe famous pastors or preachers, and they think the same thing. Oh, they're being used by God because of their influence and their, their power and their, their, their ability and uh, all of these different things. Whereas Jesus here, instead of appealing to those things, actively counsels this guy to become of no reputation. Mm. You think about who the greatest evangelist was during Jesus' ministry other than Jesus and John the Baptist. Mm. It was probably the woman at the well yeah, who was responsible for the conversion of an entire city. Mm. You know? Anybody got any, anybody got any takers on, uh, on a higher bid than that one? Um, Maybe you do, 0491 Put Jesus and John aside. Who was the greatest evangelist during Jesus' ministry? The, oh, you could say also the demoniac. Ooh, that's a good one. Who's, who's previously like, but this is the point. The woman at the well was like a woman known to be adulterous. The demoniac was literally a demon-possessed person harassing people. Who lived in tombs. Yeah. And I think the big point here is that, yeah, God doesn't so show partiality in terms of his judgment, but he also doesn't show partiality in terms of how he can use us. He can use you no matter what status you are of, no matter if you're rich or famous or poor or lowly, and he's actively counseling people who are of status to become not of status, firstly because of the judgment of God, because they needed that to have a relationship with him, but secondly because... I guess Jesus figures, oh, well, I would actually, this person would be more useful to the kingdom of heaven as someone who is humble and lowly and not of rich or riches or status or reputation. Um, he would be better suited to the work of heaven. Mm. And so as we've been talking about God showing no partiality, we should also really need to realize that he's not showing partiality and using us either. He can use us wherever we're at. Yeah, I love the fact that, you know, when you look at the disciples that Jesus chose, when you look at the people that he honoured in, in, you know, healing them, you know, lepers and so forth, fishermen that he chose to be disciples, Jesus is his own background as a carpenter. You know, these are not the celebrities of the nation. Mm. And God was able to do amazing things with them and to bring about uh, incredible changes on our world. And the, 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 the gospel message going to the world that we have today to be able to share. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
let's have uh, answers for our quiz. Okay, 100 points was few, 200 points bathing, 300 points Dorcas, 400 points thorns and thistles, and 500 points wormwood. But right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is... How do we best deal with our subconscious dreams? That one comes from Sky. Yeah, good question, Sky. Um, and what you're going to find is that when you come to the Lord, your subconscious dreams, you know, your your lifestyle changes, the way that you live changes, and your subconscious dreams have a lag effect. Mm. And so what that means is that even though you've come to the Lord and the way you live your life now is very different from the way that you used to live your life, there's going to be a lag with your subconscious dreams for your subconscious dreams to catch up with the new life. And so often in the subconscious dreams, the old man will be there and not the new man. Mm. And it'll take, you know, typically quite a number of years. You can be 10, 15, 20 years a Christian and still have, you know, subconscious dreams where the old man is in charge, not the new man. Mm. And so that can be quite disconcerting. The first thing that we need to note about our subconscious dreams is that this is our subconscious, okay? This is not, and this is just the way the brain works, it's the way the mind works, is not who we are. Mm. It's, it's, it's all of those memories and thoughts and ideas and feelings and emotions that have been stored away inside of your mind uh, coming to the surface in your dreams from time to time. And so we are not held accountable for that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 29, uh, sorry, verse uh, 30, the times of this ignorance God winks at, but now commands all men everywhere to, com- to repent. And so the Bible says that God turns a blind eye to those things that we do in ignorance. Now your subconscious and your dreams are not things that you have control over. Mm. You cannot directly control your subconscious or your dreams. Okay, but can you have an effect there? Yes, the answer is very, very simple. The longer that you serve God, the more uh, righteous your subconscious dreams will become Mm. because the only way of rewriting your subconscious is to overbalance Mm. the old life with the new. Mm. And so if your subconscious is full of evil, you can expect that to come back from time to time in your dreams. Mm. But the way to deal with that is to fill your mind with good. Because as you fill your mind with good, then your subconscious is going to end up becoming so full of good, your subconscious will actually start to forget the evil. Mm. And over time you will change and over time you will have a subconscious dream in which you are worshipping God. You will have subconscious dreams in which you are praying to God. You will have, you know, and sometimes we have those semi-conscious dreams and that's a that's a great opportunity to turn that dream around and be like, no, Satan, this is not going to be the way it's going to go here because I'm going to pray right now. Mm. You know, when you sort of have that, that, that semi-conscious dream. But it's always good to wake up from, you know, one of those experiences where, you know, you might have had a bit of a nightmare and everybody has a bit of a nightmare from time to time, depending on what you ate before you went to bed. For me, it's peanut butter. Peanut butter will get my <laughs> nightmares going. Peanut butter on toast will get my nightmares going left, right and centre every single time. Uh, but it's always good to wake up from a nightmare having known that in the danger you experienced in that nightmare, in your dream, you called out to God. Mm. You know, that's that's just a great thing right there. And so uh, the Bible talks about, you know, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are righteous, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. As you think on those things, your subconscious will fill with those things and your dreams will come from that area. 
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.